0: Welcome to Liberating Faith podcast. I'm so glad that you have tuned in to listen. I'm Dr. Michael Stanhammer, and I have studied the word of faith movement for a number of years. I was part of it. I've done a lot of research and I want to share some thoughts and insights here that might be of help to you. So listen in and see what you think. So one question I get is, how do you change your worldview? Like we've been saying that the worldview is what gives us the glasses through which we see the whole world, right? It's the foundation of which our whole life is built. Our worldview is the water in which we swim. It's, it had been well explained as our life world. So our worldview determines our life. Okay, so we want a worldview that is biblical, that is Jesus-centered, that is honoring god that's the worldview we want so what what if you find yourself in a worldview that you realize is not that it's not biblical it's not christ-centered it's not glorifying god i I mean how do you change your worldview so i want to speak to that because we need to find practical ways of changing our worldviews so i'm going to tap into my story of how i transitioned out from a very tight word of faith worldview, prosperity gospel, into a more, what I believe is a more biblical worldview. But with that said, I believe that our worldviews are always a work in progress. I don't think we can ever say that we have arrived at the most Perfect biblical Christ-centered God-glorifying worldview, spirit-filled worldview. Uh, I think we were always in a, in a time of 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 moving and a time of identifying things that need to be changed and praying for Jesus to come through the Spirit to to transform our worldviews, right? To to make them more sanctified and holy and fit for His service. But b- that being said, I want to share some practical steps how we can change this perspective of life that we call the worldview and which James Sir the worldview scholar says that the worldview is in in which you live you move and you have your being and of course he he puts that from scripture from the book of Acts but still he says that the worldview is all-encompassing it shapes all of our lives so when we uh, seek renewal, and this is something that came to me as I was preparing this podcast is that some of you are seeking renewal desperately in your life you you feel that you have been stagnant that you need to move on, but you don 't know how it 's like you are in an in, uh, in a glass uh, glass box you can 't see what it is but you 're hitting something you 're hitting a wall and I believe that often is the worldview, that the worldview you're in is limiting you and it's not where God wants you to be. So God wants us to, wants a, a change in our worldview. God wants to renew our worldviews. And I think what Jesus says here in Luke 5, 37, he says that no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the, the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. So if we want to see renewal in our lives, I interpret that, uh, I, I think we can apply that as speaking to if we want to see renewal in our lives, we need to transform our wineskins, our worldviews. So our worldview is more open to the wine of the Holy Spirit for the the new wine to be poured into us. Many of us, I think, are praying for revival. We're praying for renewal. But we have not really uh, made room for the Holy Spirit. We're not really trans- worked on, on shaping our worldviews to be more welcoming and more receptive to the work of the Spirit, to the life of the Spirit. So I think this is very, very important. So, coming back then to how do we do this, real, I mean, practically speaking? And I'm going to be very practical, OK? I'm going to go into some details in, from my life that, that you might think that's kind of weird. <laughs> that's fine. But, but just I'm going to give you so, so practical examples that, that just saying what, what I've done and what has worked in m- me and my, 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 my wife's lives, right? So the first thing I think is, is absolutely essential is to take responsibility, OK? Your worldview is your worldview. And don't be a victim of your worldview. What I mean by that is, don't just live in a worldview because you have absorbed it from somewhere. Uh, We need to be aware of our worldview and we need to take responsibility for the worldview we're living in. Whether we absorb it unconsciously, which most of us have, or even if you have been starting to work on it a bit, right? We have to take responsibility of it. So somebody said it this way that the, the unreflected life is not worth living, okay? And, and this theologian, he didn't mean it literally, like if, you'd have, if you're not reflected, if you're not thinking, go and commit suicide, that's not what he says. But he means that the, the true life with God is coming by also self-reflection and being aware of yourself. And the most important thing here is to, to know your worldview. And, and we, we have that classical statement from the old Greek that know yourself. And knowing yourself means knowing the worldview in which you live, and don't be a victim of it. Like, don't just take that world you're in as a given. Like, oh, this is the this is the way I'm living. You know, no. We believe that God can do the impossible. That God can transform things. God heals. Jesus is a healer, and Jesus heals broken bodies. I believe that Jesus does also heal broken worldviews. So we believe in transformation, not just of physical lives and you know, but also of our the worldviews in which we live. So we we take responsibility. That's the first thing. And I think this is the reason why many of you are also, or many of you, I don't know, for the dozens and dozens out there who are listening, that you know, you take responsibility for your worldview. But the next thing is, and I heard the Old Testament scholar Walter Brugman, he was asked at one point something like. How, how can I go about growing spiritually with God? How can I go deeper in my life with God? I'm not really satisfied. And he made a comment, and I don't remember what else he said, but I remember how he began. And I thought that was very, very powerful. He says, first of all, you have to be intentional. And I think this is very important when it comes to the transformational worldviews. It takes us to be intentional. We cannot just be, again, victims of something. We have to be intentional. Intentional in identifying our worldview and intentional in working on our worldview so that it will be a new wineskin for the Lord to pour Himself into. What I want to emphasize though here is that what I'm saying, like take responsibility, be intentional, that can sound like a lot of pressure. And all, many of us are already under a lot of stress. Are are we 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 struggle with performance anxieties? With with uh, we have to produce. We have to. So, please listen. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is God who wants to transform your worldview through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, what I'm saying is that it's actually the Lord who's calling you to transform your worldview and you do it by cooperating with the grace of God in the Spirit. So it is not a new, it's not like here comes another set of requirements that you must work, you must do. Even though I might express it that way, I see it as a gift. It, It is actually the grace of God and it's a gift from the Holy Spirit and you just release yourself to the beautiful will of God who wants to shape your worldview to be more according to the reality of who God is. So please listen and, and just keep that in mind that we're just saying uh, that this is not something we do on our own uh, and God is somehow distant passive. No, it, it is the Lord inviting us into this transformational process of transforming our worldview. So once we become intentional, we begin by praying intentional. And I think one of the most powerful prayers you can pray, will, which will be very transformative, if you mean it is this holy spirit i invite you into my worldview wow i I remember one one day as i was studying about these things praying about these things i realized that man I, i don't think i ever invited the holy spirit into my worldview uh i invited the holy spirit to do you know to all different levels of life but have i really invited the holy spirit to my worldview And I remember I I, I bowed my knees at my chair there at the desk and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, come into my worldview, transform my worldview, be the Lord of my worldview. That was the beginning of a transformational process. And of course, not just the beginning, that was part of it. But I would say, start to pray intentionally for the Lord to purify your worldview, to reveal the worldview you already have, to be a mirror so that you can see your worldview but then also to invite the power of God to be present, to transform your worldview. And you will be surprised what will happen. Uh, a book will come your way. A, a podcast will come your way. Perhaps even this <laughs> or another good podcast, you know, or, or you know, a YouTube clip or social media feed or something will just enter your world and you will see that this is God. This is a tool of the spirit to To start to to change something Or even reveal something of your worldview That needs to be transformed So prayer Everything begins and ends by prayer Everything we do in all things by prayer. That was one of A.W. Tozer's mottos was in all things by prayer. And we, we adopt that as we go into talking about the transformation of worldview. So I think one thing of, which is very important to realize is that worldviews, so if you go and you study it a bit, maybe you, you start to read a bit of worldview, you will find that many Christians are talking about worldview and even non-Christian scholars, they talk about worldview as a system of thought. And that's true. I mean, our worldview definitely affects the way we think. And it's not bad to look at it as a system of thought, but it's more than that. And, and, uh, and unless we go deeper, because our world is not affected mostly by our thoughts, our, our life is more affected by what we do, our practices. So even though I'll come back to our thinking, what we first have to realize is our worldviews are directly connected with our actions, the way we act. So in, you can say it this way, that your worldview follows your actions, your practices. And also, of course, your worldview is, is exemplified or is, 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 uh, fi- it finds embodiment in your actions. So you can't just look at how do you live your life? What are your most important rituals? And you might say, I don't have any rituals. Well, all of us do. A ritual is something that you do you know, sometimes unconsciously, but you do it on a regular basis for something. And and I mean, we all have have patterns of life and patterns of practices, and our worldviews are seen in those patterns. All right? So anyway, but when it comes to the, the transformational worldview, that means be aware of your practices and start to act the worldview you want to have. Okay, so you, you start to live into the worldview that you do want to have. So that means you begin on the level of practice and you start to try to live out and put this worldview into practice, the one that you want to. So how do you go about changing your practices? And let me give you some, some more you know, uh, hands-on kind of things. The first thing I would say, and these are not necessarily in order of importance. These are, I just kind of list a few things, but first of all, things that we need to change is we need to change our input. So I heard early on, garbage in, garbage out. Like your, your life is like a computer. Put garbage in, you'll get garbage out. Or put good things in, you might get good things out. I don't know. I'm not a computer guy, so I don't know. But I, I still remember that phrase. And it's kind of helpful, right? So what we're talking about, change your input. That means expose yourself to content that arise out of the worldview that you want to have. So, when you see a a theology, a story, a life, a life, a person that you respect, that embodies a christ likeness, that you you feel that that's a kind of worldview that I also want to have, right, then expose yourself uh intentionally to that kind of content to to start a feed into that to to expose yourself to that, right? Because we should remember the worldviews are shaped a lot by time and what we absorb so that you expose yourself for a prolonged time to the kind of content from worldviews that you want to have. So when I transitioned out of the word of faith, I realized that word of faith was very weak when it came to the cross of Christ, when it came to the theology of the cross, when it came to Christ likeness, when it came to even having any kind of theology on suffering. So I started to look around and identify a few theologians and a few preachers that I felt lived out a life of Christ-likeness and having a, a very sound theology of the cross, uh, how to live a cross-shaped life, what we call con- Call it cruciform life, right? A life shaped according to the cross. And I started to get their books. I got their started listening to their their sermons uh, and the teachings, their talks, and just exposed myself for a continuous amount of time. And that really started to have an impact in my life. So change your input, and with that, of course, that means th- don't feed on the worldview that you want to leave. So if you're coming out of a word of faith worldview or any other worldview that you have identified as not healthy for you, then don't feed on that Skip those um, uh, newsletters don't look at those uh you know those short you know clips on on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever just just get them out of your life all right and and that's not i mean you don't have to do it in a in a bad way like i uh, i commit them to the devil for the destruction of their flesh <laughs> you know it's not you don't have to go that far you're just saying like i will put them outside of my level of input or my my sphere of input okay i'm not going to feed on them anymore I'm not going to even listen to them. I'm not going even to even, you know, because sometimes we can be so interested in what's going on in their world and what are they saying now. And I'm just going to leave all that. Just put them on hold and pause because I want to feed now on a, from a worldview in which I'm transitioning into. Okay. So you spend time on that. So when, when one, one thing of, of, of getting another kind of input was, of course, theology for me and, and sermons and teachings and things like that. But it was also scripture. Scripture is, of course, absolutely most essential when it comes to renewing of our mind, renewing of our heart, renewing our desires and practices. The transformation of our worldview is coming through an absorbation also of Scripture to spending most time, um, even more time in Scripture. And what I realized, what was really important for me is that I had to change my Bible translation. Okay, I, I couldn't stay. And, and for me, I was kind of brought up in, in a Movement that emphasized the King James version, uh, the 1611, the one that Paul used in. Um, but I I found that these and the thous too difficult, and the hither and thither and all that kind of stuff. So I I stayed with the New King James version, but I realized that when I'm transitioning out of a a worldview that was not really healthy spiritually into a a biblical, more biblical worldview, I also needed to change Bible translation. Why? Because when I read the New King James Version, I heard my my preachers. I heard the preachers and the the you know the people that have been taught, teaching me before, I heard their voices through those verses. And also the way way my mind works is that when I when I see a, a, a verse on a certain pass you know place and maybe I underlined it, I remember so much more of the context where I learned it. So I just put I shelved my Schofield uh, study New King study Bible, my New King James Bible. I shelved it and, and I got a another translation. Okay, another translation that was different, so that I could somehow hear the word of God afresh. And I, I, I tried. You know, intentionally to get a, ver- a translation that was so different, so that I could hear the word of God anew. Also, I started to memorize other kinds of scriptures, uh, apart from verses that were important in my former worldview. I started to memorize scriptures that were, that in the worldview that I I wanted to go to, right. For example, I mean, you know, when I was studying these uh, theologians that were emphasizing more a cross-shaped life and, you know, cruciform life and, and a Jesus-centered life and things like that, I, I realized that they were quoting a few scriptures all the time, so I memorized them from the new translation, and that really helped. So, so the, those are, you know, when it comes to a Bible translation, that that was helpful. Then I, our worldview is definitely shaped by our speech. And here, I really need to give the Word of Faith and the Prosperity Gospel credit for their emphasis on our words. Because they have picked up on something that the church, when they started in the 60s or 70s, to start to really emphasize speech and confession and how how we create by our words. uh, Most Christians were very weary and they were saying that this is new age. This is, you know... And of course, you can listen to into other teachings where I I speak to where I think are some major problems with positive confession. But one thing we need to give credit to is that they have emphasized the power of our words, that our words definitely affect our life, our faith and our worldview. Okay I don't believe in creative speech. I don't believe we can speak on the level of God and all these kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into that here, but what I want to say is that our worldviews are shaped by our speech. Our speech had direct uh, impact in the way we see and live in this world. Our life worlds are affected by your your tongue. So death and life is definitely in the power of the tongue because it shapes uh, in many ways, our worldview. So, and there are scholars, not even Christian scholars, who are, are showing this that worldviews are shaped partly by uh, by our actions and by our speech. And so, being intentional then in how you speak is very important. Like, start to start to identify words and and phrases that that connect you to the worldview that you want to leave, and then ditch them, <laughs> get rid of them, change the way you speak. So, for example. I I was, I I had to change the way I referred to the Lord. I I started to call Jesus Christ, only Christ instead of Jesus, because I, in my worldview, I was so trained and I heard so much Jesus, 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 that it was the moment I said Jesus, I fell into that story of Jesus that I didn't want to have. So for years, I called Jesus Christ. You might say, that's really weird, but for me, that was a way of transitioning into the biblical kingdom story for Jesus. And I call him Christ. So Christ became for me, uh, or Jesus Christ, but I always kept Christ. Because for me, that was the transitioning into a more biblical understanding of who Jesus is. And even Messiah became a, a very important uh, title for me in transitioning into a more biblical understanding of the story of Jesus. So I, I, that was one thing. And of course, coming out of the faith movement, faith was a key word. And I felt the moment I used faith, I fell into some of these teachings that I didn't want to live in. So I, in my mind, I did an intentional switch from faith to trust. So I just spoke about trust. Trust in the Lord, trust, and that way I could keep an emphasis on the importance of rel- relational trust without falling back into teachings on faith which were misguided so that that was one thing, and then of course, coming out of a very some uh, practices that were charismatic, uh, focusing on the Holy Spirit that were not really healthy, uh, and of course, in those charismatic areas, you speak a lot about the anointing, the anointing. The anointing of the spirit or the anointing, the anointing. And and to me, the moment I used the word anointing, uh, I fell back into some of these, you know, thought patterns and and practices that I didn't want to be in, in a worldview that I want to transition out of and grow out of. So I, I exchanged anointing for grace. So I used grace instead. And to speak about uh, you know, I, well, I felt the grace of God as I was preaching today, or I need more grace as I'm you know preparing this, or so or you know so grace for me was like one way of, of changing my speech because worldview and speech are very directly connected. Another one that was not maybe as as theological is that I, I changed the way I referred to my spiritual father at the time. So I I I'm coming back to this often that. A word of faith worldview is mostly directly connected with a strong leader, a strong individual. And that person, you will hold a very kind of, it's, it's a problematic relationship. Okay, it's a complicated relationship to this spiritual father or spiritual mother, this, this uh, person. And, and this might be a person that you might never have met in, in person or in the physical, but, but somehow there's a spiritual connection with you and that person. So, transitioning out of your worldview, you also had to transition out of that relationship. And one way I, I felt to get a healthy distance is to ch- I had to change the way I referred to them. So, in, in the context where, where I was, you referred to your pastor, uh, this pastor then, by pastor and their first name. That was the pastor in the first name. That, that was how, how we referred to him. So I had to change that. So I referred to him, and even my wife, we referred to him by only his last name. So by, by changing our speech, We didn't mean to just, you know, uh, be be disrespectful or anything like that. But for us, that was a way of of referring to this person. Because, of course, you need to when you talk about it, when you dissect stuff and when you, you know, you, you have to talk. But when you do that, you change your speech. And by doing that, you felt that you were no longer under his domain. You were no longer under his power. You were actually... Heading into being a, you know, the prophethood and the priesthood, especially the priesthood of all believers, you are taking responsibility for your faith. You are no longer under, you know, their dominion in a sense. So, but just changing how I referred to him, uh, really also empowered me. It, it really empowered me. Then, come, when it comes to word of faith, you, the word of faith worldview comes with a certain culture and a certain. Uh, linguistic, uh, how, how can I say it? It comes with a bag of words. <laughs> I mean, Word of Faith is, uh, is expert in giving you a certain kind of speech. So you have words like confess, you decree and you declare, uh, you, you know, I mean, we, stating your faith. You, 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 you know, you don't speak about sickness. You speak about, uh, you know, struggling with symptoms of sickness. And I mean, there's so many, so many of these words that, that you use. You don't maybe use the word hope. You use the word faith. You, I mean, so many things. So changing your speech in these areas are, are so, so helpful. Uh, and and so I think that that's that's that was really key for me. And, and connecting to speech is also very close as prayer, right? So I, I I had to change my prayer. I had to change the way I prayed because uh, I had to be more conscious of the way I prayed and also more 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 intentional in the way I I I phrased my prayers and the way I did it. So I I uh, I, I I had to start to pray other scriptures. I had to start to pray scriptures first. That, that kind of put me into the worldview that I want to be in. And at some point, I even used uh, some written prayers in some that that might be a shock to some. Uh, you, you feel like, wow, that's getting religious or you're losing your Pentecostal touch or whatever. And I'm not saying that all praise had to be written, uh, but neither do I say that all praise had to be extempore just in the moment. I think God can use both. Uh, I believe the Lord's prayer is still a valid prayer to pray. Uh, and that's a written prayer, right? And even, I mean, the book of Psalms, they are written prayers. So in, in you know, so I think we even confess, you know, praying scriptures. That's that's in a sense praying something that has already been written down. So I, I think that's that's a help, help, helpful way, especially if you transitioning into a new prayer life in your new worldview. Uh that that's not very easy. So then it can be very, very helpful to find those. So uh I, I, I was very helped by an image that was given by a, a uh I think it was it was a, a theologian or something in church history he was saying that if you use written prayers you'll feel like the words are not your own it's like putting your feet in shoes that are too big for you but if you keep on using those words you will grow into them and finally they will be your own so it's like putting your feet into these shoes that are too big only to find that the shoes are not shrinking but your feet are growing right so so when you, you start to change your prayers, you start to, uh, you know, uh, vocalize the worldview that you want to be in. That, that is a very powerful way of transitioning into a new worldview. So don't just change your speech generally, change your speech before the Lord. And one, one thing I had to change was just my, my tone of prayer, which in the word of faith at that time, I was coming to the Lord with, with a sense of uh, entitlement and demand. I was told that you can kick up, kick the doors of heaven open and just go into your father's throne room and open the fridge and take what you want because it's your father's place. And there's something very beautiful with that. I, I don't fully think that's wrong. I think there's something very beautiful of coming boldly uh, to the throne of grace. But also realizing who God is and who you are and know the difference. That's the fear of God, right? So th- there is a, a tone of humility and brokenness. Uh, in, in relationship to the eternal God, and, and you know, so just even not just changing the words, but also the 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 ethos or the yeah, just the the tone of the prayer. I think that was also very important for me. So finally, in, when it comes to prayer, uh, I was. Uh, what Pentecostals called Spirit baptized at a young age. And I am so thankful. My mother prayed for me at home and I spoke in tongues when I think I was about 12, 13. And I am so, so thankful. But transitioning out of the Word of Faith worldview, I realized that my, my, my praying in tongues was too much connected with the Word of Faith worldview and I had to stop. So I, I intentionally stopped, and I believe on the Lord's direction. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I intentionally stopped praying in tongues for over a year so I could somehow uh, revive that, that gift later on, or the Holy Spirit revived it in me later on within my new worldview. So uh, to me, that that was an important uh, important time to to do that kind of change when it came to spiritual gifts. So another change I had to make when it comes to uh, the transitioning out of worldview is I have to change the, my focus. What I mean by that is that the word of faith worldview is focused on the rich and the famous, on the the, the ones who are successful. And uh, I mean, whether intentional or unintentional, that's what it is. It puts the people who are succeeding and who are on the top. Uh, we don't want to follow loser. That's how somebody said it in the Word of Faith, because that's why they follow the rich pastor. So the the Word of Faith worldview privileges the successful, the famous, the rich, the winner, right? And I realized this, that the worldview I want to transition into, which is a Christ-centered, cross-formed, spirit-filled worldview, means that I need to change my focus and be more focused towards the marginalized and the oppressed. Those who are not what the world would consider the winners, but who would be considered the losers, right? So th- this, is, this was a, uh, still a work in progress in me, is to keep this focus on people and, of course, myself. Who am I in this world, right? But So changing my self-image in this. But, but still also realizing that, as, as some theolo- theologians were saying, that God has a preference for the oppressed, and I, I believe that's so true. If you look at Jesus, he he had almost nothing to tell the Sadducees. That is amazing. He's he told the Pharisees a lot of stuff, but the Sadducees he almost had no interaction with. There are very few verses directed towards the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were the ones who were at the time politically powerful and financially able. So, and they had the positions of of religious and economic power usually. Uh, so that that will say something. If Jesus is quiet when it comes to them, it's because his focus is not on them. His focus wa- was on those who were marginalized and oppressed. So I needed to change my focus, and how I went about that. And again, I I might sound like Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa or somebody. Now I'm not. I'm still in this process. Okay, I'm still working on my worldview. Okay, so but but some things I really needed to change. Uh, and oh, before I do that, let me say that doesn't mean we glorify the marginalized and the oppressed. We don't glorify poverty. We don't glorify to be oppressed. Uh, we we want to work against that. We want people to succeed, to be well, to be uh, able, uh, to flourish in life, right? Uh, we, to have life and life more abundantly. So by saying this, I, I don't mean that we go into another kind of, of, of glorification of suffering and oppression. That's not what I'm saying, but but I'm just saying where your where's your focus? what What kind of people are you honoring and glorifying? I just want to interrupt myself for a moment and invite you to watch some of the videos that I made on YouTube and also download some of the study articles that are written. You can find them on the website. Back to the message. so I, I find this quote from Charles Taylor, the Christian philosopher, very, very helpful when it comes to this change of focus, because he says every person and every society lives with or by some conception of what human flourishing is. What constitutes a fulfilled life? What makes life really worth living? So this is what he, he, you know, he calls social imaginary, but that's worldview, right? Uh, All of us live with some kind of conception of what human flourishing means, right? But then he says, a very important question, he says, what would we most admire people for? What is it that we most admire people for? And I, this is, I think, very, very important that that to start to identify in your life, who do you admire? Well, why do you admire that person? Okay. Uh, who Who do you really respect? Who's your hero? Okay. So. But by doing that, you are now starting to come close to your worldview because your heroes are those who embody the worldview that you want. And so to change your worldview means also that you have to change your hero. You have to start to look for new heroes. So my heroes were Word of Faith giants who were showing signs of, of success, of, of spiritual empowerment and, and all these things, right? So I had to change heroes. So. This, this was very important uh, to, to us and to me, was to, to, to kind of ch- change that focus and find new heroes. So uh, getting your attention and filling your life with more of the stories of the marginalized and the oppressed. So how do you do that? Well, you seek out uh, those stories. You seek out relationships with people who are, who are struggling. You, you know, you spend time, you expose yourself, right? So one, one way you can do it real practically uh, is to just subscribe to the Voice of the Martyrs weekly newsletter. That's a first step. Um, and, and I'm not as smart as thinking of that. I've actually read that in a theological book some time, some years ago. Said so if you want to change and be more aware of of the oppression of of and, and persecution of people, uh, subscribe to some of those newsletters. There are many different good ministries out there that you can subscribe to. So I did that's many years ago, and I, I read it every week when it comes. I try to read it, and of course also trying to develop relationships. Uh, with people in these kinds of situations, whether they be uh, you know um, persecuted uh, as the voice of the martyrs or even just marginalized oppressed all these things that you start to sh- get their stories to impact you right we also started to redirect our giving uh, so that we started to give financially to a ministry that was directly involved uh, in working against poverty uh, it was a Christian of course a christian uh, bible based uh, you know uh, ministry but yeah so Making changes in focus uh, in wh- what we honor and who we honor and, and what are our heroes, that was a, a key change because that speaks about our value systems, what I truly, truly value. Um, other things we needed to change uh, was that uh, we, I realized I had to change my worship songs because our theology uh, what we believe about God, right? And how we live and definitely our affections, our emotions are really connected to our worldviews and they are very much shaped by the, the music we expose ourselves to and especially the worship music. So I, I had to change my, my the, the, some of the songs that I listened to, uh, that I loved. Now I realize I can come back to them Uh, with a different worldview, I can reappropriate some of them again because now they don't carry that influence in my life as they did before. But before, they were like worldview anchors. They kept me back. I realized how they pulled me back over and over again, back into this worldview that I didn't want to have. And I found that to be so strange because these are good worship songs. These are songs to the Lord and still they keep me back. How is that possible? Well, within the dimension of worldviews, you can see how that works. So there doesn't have to be anything wrong with the songs. It's just that those were the songs that I sang in that worldview and they keep me still there. So I changed. I changed you know my my playlists in Spotify and other places, so that I I intentionally sought songs that that spoke to me and and brought the presence of the Lord real to me and affected my affections in that towards the worldview that I want to be in. So I I started to consciously change the worship songs that I I I, um, I had. Uh, other things that I did, and you know I don't want to come across as a you know very holy person who does everything right. I'm just sharing my story, all right? And if any of this can be helpful to you, I praise God in, you know, So I'm I'm encouraging you to get a lot of good input from other places as well. But I just want to share some of these things that were helpful to me, which I believe that the Holy Spirit was directly involved because I believe that these were some of these. I'm not smart enough to think about these things. It's the Holy Spirit that somehow brought me to some of these insights that have been so, so helpful. And I walked with a number of people that have transitioned out of just uh, worldviews, whether they be word of faith, prosperity worldviews, or other kinds of worldviews into more biblical, uh, spirit-filled, Christ-centered, God-glorifying worldviews. And I have seen how these things I'm sharing with you have been very powerful and very effective. So another thing that is so important is to realize that our worldviews are also symbolic systems. That means that they're not just carried by practices. They're not just carried by our thinking. They are directly connected with the symbols that we surround ourselves with. And again, using the word anchor, our worldviews are directly anchored with symbols. Okay. And I don't know where you come from, but I was very hesitant the moment I heard the word symbol. Because symbol to me, the way I was trained was that that is often connected with, relig- <laughs> with religious rites and, and just practices that are not really, you know, living. So be aware of every any kind of symbol. But really, there is no symbolic vacuum. We are symbolic-making creatures. Even our language is a symbolic system. A symbol is just um, something that is meant to communicate something else. So something that stands for something else, that's how C.S. Pierce uh, defined signs and symbols, uh, the basic signs that make up the symbols. So something that stands for something else, that's it. And we are symbol masters. We create symbol systems. Uh, Our language is a symbolic system, right? And, um, and, uh, you know, the the way we live our lives. And one important part of our worldview is images. Images shapes our worldview and empowers our worldview. It energizes our worldviews. So start to be more aware of the images that you surround yourself with, okay? What images uh, what it could be it could be art on the wall, for example. I mean, just a very kind of basic example, perhaps, but we had at home, we had a poster of Spider-Man on our wall that said, "With great power comes great responsibility." And we thought nothing of it. Until we start realize how worldviews operate, and we see, we saw that even though we had it for years, even transitioning out of the world of faith, we still had it on our wall. But starting to realize, hey, wait a minute! First of all, I'm not saying I'm not condoning the Marvel world. I believe it's dark, and I might speak about entertainment at some other point. Uh, I don't think so. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not, con- you know, I'm saying we had this on our wall, okay? But anyway, so. Having Spider-Man on the wall with this, with great power comes great responsibility. That con- still anchored us back into Word of Faith worldview with, with the implicit message that I have great power. Right? I'm somebody very special and I have great power. I had it on my wall because I thought I just liked it. But I realized that for me, this was connecting me very strongly into a worldview that I d- didn't really want to have. So... It, just that—that's just an example where we 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 had to change that and and be more intentional with our with the the symbols and the images that we surround ourselves with, right? This is very—I think this is very important. What what's on your walls at home? What what's uh, what what images do you choose as your you know screensaver on your phone or on your computer or you know what 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 kind of images do you put as your uh, your icon on your social media? And I mean, what, look at those images. Uh, I just recently saw a, a Pentecostal pastor who would never ascribe to any prosperity message, but he had taken a photo uh, standing beside an extremely expensive car, which was not his own. Uh, it was one of these—it uh, was a Bentley or Rolls Royce or you know one of those things—and but he had posted uh, he posted with that and then put that as his social media image. Why would you do that? And if I say, are you a prosperity gospel guy? I say, no, never. That's not the Bible. Well, but you just used an image that communicates a symbolic world that anchors your affection into something, right? So we had to be aware of the images that we privilege, that we use, that we feed on. Uh, And this is really important. I mean, we have this phrase like, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are, right? Which is, there's a lot of truth to that. But I would say this way, show me your symbols. And I would tell you what kind of person you are. Because our symbols communicate our worldview and they also shape our worldviews. So for me, I realized that coming out of the word of faith with that focus on the powerful, the rich and the famous, I realized that some of that was also fed by the news. Because the news is, is not interested in the little person who is small, oppressed and weak. If 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 somebody... Who it has no value in terms of finances or political power dies. That, that will not be on the world news. So world news privileges some of the, the things that are, I think are not uh, you know, the biblical worldview, right? So I I I and still I want to be aware of what's going on in the world. So what I did was I started to find news feeds uh, that were uh, even from big outlets that are still reliable, uh, you know, that, that had just uh, text and no images. And I realized that, that that really helped me as well. And you might say, Michael, you're extremely radical. And yes, <laughs> I, I, I want to be so intentional. I want to live in a biblical, Christ-centered, God-glorifying, spirit-filled worldview. I wa- you know, that's what I want to do. So that doesn't mean now at this point, I, 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 I you know, See news with images, uh, so I'm not I'm not like legalistic here. I'm just sharing things that helped me. Other things that helped me is that I realized that okay, okay, so images are really powerful here. Symbols are really powerful. So I, I surround myself in a symbolic world. W- what kind of symbols do I have? Well, I realized I had a watch. Uh, it, not a super expensive, but still uh, a watch I had really worked hard for and, and just uh, you know just got a watch that somehow communicated at least to me, that I was not just anybody. I had a watch that, that w- would tell somebody that, yeah, I, I, I'm heading somewhere in life, right? You know, yeah. So w- my watch was for me a worldview anchor into the Word of Faith prosperity worldview. So I sold it. I had a, a certain kind of suit. Uh, at, that, at that point, being having suit was in, in fashion, okay, so I realized that now in, in many word of faith circles, uh, suits are not in fashion now it 's sneakers. <laughs> supposed to have you know really cool clothes and really expensive sneakers so, so it doesn 't really matter what it is, just identify the symbols that you surround yourself with that are still not connected to the worldview you want to have. So I had a suit that I bought, of course, not being cheap and not having a lot of money. Uh, I, I bought it at an outlet, but I was really proud of this suit because it was the kind of brand that will communicate that I'm, I'm, I'm a winner. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, so I, I, I sold the suit and gave the money for missions. Uh, you just got rid of some of these things i had a golden bracelet that i was so proud of because again that was some of my people i looked up to my they had golden bracelet and i was blessed by having one so i gave it away uh you know because i didn't want to have that we we uh my wife and i would want to communicate that we were really heading somewhere and we didn't again not have much money but so we bought and used old Mercedes-Benz, not because the car itself was luxurious, but because of the brand, because having a Mercedes would communicate that we are heading somewhere. Uh, but we, we, uh, we got rid of it, we, you know, and, and got another car that did not have that kind of symbolic value. So we, we, we int- intentionally try to uh, get into, analyze our symbolic worlds and also start to be intentional there and start to change them towards being more uh, connected with the worldview in which we wanna live. And when you do some of these changes, you will feel that you're putting your feet in shoes that are not your own, but they will, they will at some point be your own, okay? So even here, let's talk about some sensitive issues and that is, should you change your friends uh, as I said, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. This is very difficult. Um, I, I, I don't believe, I, I, I feel it's... Sometimes, some of the very, very um, hardcore word of faith worldviews, they will make you distance yourself from anybody who doesn't share your worldview. So a hardcore word of faith, and th- they are not that easy to find anymore. Uh, usually they are now more soft. Forms of the word of faith worldview, but the hardcore, the hard, sh- the hard ones—they—they uh, they made people even distance themselves from relatives, even within families. Uh, and and of course, you 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 left some friends and things uh, because they were not, uh, you know, keeping you know feeding your worldview. So I'm not getting into that. I'm definitely not saying that we should cut relationships with people, uh, with friends and family, and 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 you know things like that, because we believe that the worldview we're heading into. Is the reality and the reality of that worldview is God and God is love and nothing can quench that worldview. Nothing can can extinguish love, right? So that means I will be able to keep fellowship with people who don't share my worldview and still, you know, be in love. Having said that, there might be times where because some of those friends are having too much of an impact on you that you might need to... Uh, reduce your your time of exposure to them, and that's very very painful. But but that that's just that's just, and and um, how you do that, you need the grace of God and the leading of the Spirit. Uh, but at some point, yes, I think the transition of worldviews, sadly, sometimes will affect your relationships. It it does, um, and, and there will be a time where you had to renegotiate who you you spend most time with and who you let have that kind of influence in your life. And I'm not saying to cut them out. I'm just saying more on what level will you allow them to influence you? So you can still be friends, but where do you allow them to influence your worldview and, and your life? So maybe not changing friends, but changing uh, the level of their input in your life or the level they are allowed to affect you, okay? So, that, that's, that's really part of it. And, um, but of course, if you're transitioning in out of a worldview, which is deeply even dark and demonic, I'm not saying word of faith now, I'm saying maybe transitioning out of a, a worldview that is a cult, uh, then you do have to change your friends. I mean, then you really had to cut those relationships. Like if you're transitioning out of a worldview where people, uh, you know, uh, you know, almost are, you know, oppressed and under a cultic kind of situation, and that is not what I'm saying. Word of faith is, but I'm saying if you come from that, then of course you have to be even more radical. Then when it comes to changing, uh, this is very sensitive now, but what 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 about changing church? Because church and worldview, of course, tie together, right? And, and um, I, I, that. I would say that there is no right or wrong answer here. It totally depends on context and definitely on the leading of the spirit because the spirit will lead you in each unique case. I believe that there are churches that hold perhaps to a bit of a world of faith worldview, which you can remain in because you, again, like your friends, you can keep on working on your worldview still and not being so impacted. Uh, my wife and I didn't find that. We found that we had been so deep and so affected by this, and of course, uh, we were—I uh, was a pastor, you know—I was a, a minister within this, uh, you know, worldview, and so. So I had gone perhaps deeper than uh, than others sometimes have, but still, yeah. So for us, and we had been quite burnt by different experiences. So for for some time, we even had to transition into another Christian tradition, even not just church, but even a different kind of expressing christianity that was still biblical we're not saying we, you know we went uh, but still we went into another form of tradition just for some time to lick our wounds in a sense and and to kind of just let the dust settle and so i think that there is times where you actually have to do that and there are times where you have to change church because the church you're in is, is again the anchor towards that worldview and you will only go so far By being in that church so then you had to be uh you know moving but again do it led by the spirit led by the spirit and that is the answer in every case follow your heart follow the leading of your heart uh you know and and then just uh, walk the unique path the lord has for you and, and you know develop that but again be intentional in the way you do it led by the spirit And let me just uh, add just a quick, you know, things that that might might also be helpful. Uh, Our worldviews leak through our humor. What we laugh about and the stories we find funny and amusing are usually a worldview leakage. So if you want to identify a bit of your worldview, look at what you find to be humorous and funny. Because humor and worldviews are very much connected. And usually through our laughter, we laugh before we think if you recognize that if you find something funny you usually laugh before you think and you analyze it's not like we hear a joke and we we analyze it for a while of course that happens sometimes especially with me i'm slow with jokes but but still i mean like it's not often that you 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 intellectually work through a joke and then finally you go ha ha ha, ha that was funny it's more like it's an it's a knee jerk reaction it's it's just a reflex reaction to something that you find uh humorous so if you want to take that as a perspective, you can also identify something of your worldview, but also start to change your worldview. Um, some of these prosperity preachers, they tend to start their sermons by a certain kind of joke. Every sermon is a new joke. Uh, and usually when you start to analyze their, their humor, you will find that those jokes are directly connected with the Word of Faith prosperity gospel worldview. So that means you also had to start to work on your humor and see, uh, you know, why do I find this funny? And then you maybe want to, you know, absorb other kinds of humor and things like that. Um, These are some of the practical things. These are some of the thoughts that that uh, have been um, of help to us. Uh, uh, Please let me know what you think. Uh, Let me know if you want me to expand on something or comment something. And I hope that this was helpful to you. So until I see you in other videos and podcasts, God bless you.